You can have a seat. I'm actually going to have someone help me here this morning. Um, Anna was our winterim this week, and uh, Anna was doing our prayer training as I was talking to her, and I said, hey, would you want to pray for us? And she said yes. So she's going to pray, and uh, she's going to read our passage, and then uh, we'll kick off a new series. Sound good? Hey, that was some worship. I could feel it up front. Not sure how you felt out back, but that was something. So come on. I forgot my Bible. I'll get it. Good. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, you are so good. You are the creator, the sustainer of life. You give purpose. I know sometimes we can get caught up in our own lives, in what we do, in what we say, in what others think. Let these thoughts help us they make us lose focus on you. But when we do lose sight of you, God, we feel empty, and I thank you for that. Because it is when we are empty, it is when you come and fill us up. We have nothing to give to you. We are a simple servant, but God, you are the mighty king, and all you ask of us is our hearts, and we praise you for that. So just help us to understand What are you saying to us? Help us to take time out of our day to really listen to you. God, you speak to us every day and you tell us to listen and know my voice. Let us know you, God. You say those who know you will be strong, so make us mighty. We say this in your name, amen. And we'll put the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters. If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. But would you join us in praying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, Anna's going to read. There'll be a slide. See slide number four, I think, Jim. Uh, nope, slide number three. Uh, John 17 is our passage for the day, 21 through 23. And it says 21 there, but I added two verses, sorry. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. People of God, it's word of God. Thanks, Anna. All right. I'm particularly excited about today. I feel like the the energy of the room makes me feel like we're on the right path. So we're starting a new series today. It's called Flourishing in Relationships. Uh, If I could summarize the series in a sentence, you know, we like to do that. Uh, I would use something that Jesus talked about. Uh, A person comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I got to do? I want to get in. And Jesus being Jesus, what does he do? He asks a question back. What do you think? I love that about Jesus. We think we go to him to get a straight answer. Somebody says, but... What do you think? What do you know? The person responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
She says, good job, yeah. But he goes on to tell a story, and actually you've heard it, it's called The Good Samaritan. Because loving your neighbor as yourself, well, some of us aren't always that great at loving ourselves, if we're honest, right? What does that look like? What does that mean? So he tells a story about the Samaritan who helps a person that they would not like. They were, he was merciful towards someone he did not like, that they were, he was not friends with. So apparently, maybe he did like him, I'm not sure. But he said, actually, don't love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love, as Jesus says in John 13, like I love you. So we are to love God, and we're to love each other the way he loves us. Sermon in the sentence right there. So for the first three weeks, we're going to talk about this relationship, our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. This week is the circle of love. The next two weeks is God is love. It's in First John. Then we're going to change or pivot the next three weeks to marriage, singleness, and sexuality. And we're going to bring it back around, unity and maturity. That's Ephesians 4 and 5. So that's where we're going in the series, okay? So flourishing in relationship. What I have found is I've been thinking about this because today is the circle of love. If you don't know what that means, you haven't been here before, in the description of today's sermon, you'll find a sermon series from 2021. We spent like eight or nine weeks understanding the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we don't have that much time today. So we're not going to go that far in. But if you want to do more, go look it up, all right? So Father, Son, and Spirit, though. As I got ready for today, I found this very, um, message seems daunting to me, right? In a couple minutes to summarize how that relationship works. Um, but I became very excited. Um, but I think it's daunting because when I think, I think we do one of two things when it comes to the Father, Son, Spirit is there's this wrestle. So God is holy, right? Holy, holy, holy. Revelation 4 through 8. Day and night in the heavens right now they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So God is holy, holy, holy. But then Jesus taught us to pray and said, you know, you pray, our Father, Dad, Will you help me today? I need help today. So how do we, it's both, right? And we can like to go one way or go this way. He's so holy, he's so abstract, and I ain't quite sure how to, well, I almost fell off, how to, how to relate to him. Or he's so relational, Jesus is just my homeboy, and we're buddies. But there has to be both. So I think that's why it's so daunting to me today. But the longer I sat in it, the more excited I got. You see, our passage today, Jesus says that he, his prayer for us is that they may be in us, Father, Father, Son, Spirit, as I am in you. So we're supposed to be a part of this relationship. And we've used this phrase here before. They call it the great dance. Theologians call it the great dance. And I, I'm going to argue today that uh, I think, who likes to dance, first of all? Some people like to dance. A lot of us do not. I've asked people this week, I don't dance. I'm going to argue, we like to dance a lot more than we think, all right? So I was reading somebody, and they said, this dance is it's full of three things. It's full of love. How do we define love around here? We're willing and serving the good of another, right? We're loving as Jesus loved us. We're, we're willing. They're good. We want them to be who they're created to be, not who I want them to be. It's different. We're serving. It's sacrificial. We're not thinking less about ourselves. We're thinking less, nope. Less of herself, less about herself. That's the phrase I want, right? We're love. 
The second part, we have a slide four, I think, too, Jim. Number, uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I do. Slide seven. It's full of love, glory, and glory at its root is presence. So when the glory of God falls, it's his presence that falls. And when he comes in all of his glory, the earth shakes. And it's full of joy. So this dance I'm going to talk about today is full of love, presence, Enjoy, delight. And I think we like to dance a lot more than we think. So let me, uh, let me try this. So the other day, uh, uh, it's funny when you're working on a sermon, you're thinking about it constantly. And uh, uh, we're at home, and I grew up in a house where we liked music. Like, we like music. But now I am married to a woman who loves music. And we got speakers all over the house. Music is always playing. She's playing music. My kids are playing music anyways. So music is on, and we're in our kitchen, and uh, uh, just, dad used to decide just to be silly, right? And so I started dancing. I'm not a great dancer. My wife laughs. I kind of do a chicken wing thing when I dance. And she goes, oh, no, here comes the chicken wing. And so I'm dancing. I start throwing my arms around like this. And my daughters go, what are you doing, daddy? He says, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm dancing. So I'm dancing like this. My girls like twirly dresses. They're twirling like this. And, whoa. And we're just, we're laughing. There's joy. There's love. There is glory, presence, we're present, and there's delight. So fun to dance. And I, we dance in all different places. And you know, like I was watching a football game last night, Titans and Jaguars, didn't care about either team. But I watched people dance with joy. They were cheering and jumping into each other's arms. Or love, delight, presence. I think we like to dance a lot more than we think. I think we have a specific idea of what it means to dance. And so some of us are great dancers, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the rest of us. <laughs> but I think we like to dance. And if the dance is full of love and presence and delight, I can get behind that. You? So why don't we dance? Just keep playing this idea. We're, we're going to get into the passage. Don't worry. So, uh, well, there's risk involved when we dance, Right? So the analogy a friend helped me with um, was middle school dance, anyone? Middle school dance. So there's some people who are dancing, and there's some people who hang on the wall, right? And I hung on the wall quite a bit. But think about the different vantage points in that dance. So if I'm in the dance, I'm having so much fun, right? Like when you dance, when you're really dancing, oh my goodness, you get lost in the dance with people. It's so fun. People on the wall, what do you do when you're on the wall? I judge the people who are dancing. I make fun of how they're dancing. I'm not going to do that. But the people who are inside, so they're, they're judging from the wall. If you're in the dance, though, how do you see the people on the wall? Oh, come on. This is so much fun. You're, you're sad. It's like, who cares what you look like? Just... Just come dance. There's the story of King David. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And the king, the king is dancing. He's just, he's undignified. And his wife is mad at him when he gets done. And she's, you, you look like an idiot. He says, I don't care. So she's judging him. But I had to imagine if I'm the other people who are watching, my king, my warrior, my commander, dance. Do I feel like I have the freedom to dance? I'd say Yes. So today, my sermon in a sentence is just, let's dance. So I'm going to work this through. 
is at slide number five. So the great dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit, which we are invited into as staying power. We're going to talk about the moves. And at the end, I'm going to say, let's dance. One final statement before we go in. Um, it is slide number six. When we dance, I'm saying this a lot today, I think. I think. We enter into the ministry of Jesus, the Son, to the Father. Everything Jesus does is about the Father. You ever wonder why he doesn't always heal everybody or do different things? I, I don't know. But everything he was doing is always about bringing glory to the Father. So to the Father, through the Spirit, and we enter this ministry for the sake of the church and the world. Okay? All right. So, the dance. This dance has some staying power. We're doing some Bible reading today, all right? So, open them up. We're starting Genesis 1. I think it's slide number 4. We'll start in Genesis 1. Put your finger then over to John 1, and we're going to jump back and forth. Now, this is a dance. We're invited into this dance, the dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, look at all that page turning. I'm doing the same. Okay. All right, let's give us a shot. So we'll start in Genesis 1. Page 1, that was easy for you. Are we ready? In the beginning, God. Stop. In the beginning, God. I learned that in some schools with a... Uh, rabbis and disciples that uh, they will start right here as with their new students and they'll say start reading. They'll say in the beginning God stop. Start over. In the beginning God stop. Start over. In the beginning God. So before we get to all the things before we get to relationships, before we get to life, before we get to all he did in the beginning. God, the Father, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, this Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Genesis 1. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God, Father, Son, Spirit. In the beginning, before the beginning. This God is holy, 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 holy. But then, what happens in the story? Well, if this is a dance, if they have been in this dance, this relationship full of love and glory and joy for all time, and they want to extend that to us. Let's go John, let's go three. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The lightness, the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. So then, imagine a dance, where do we dance? Stages, what happens on a stage? Back to Genesis one. God said, let there be lights. Then God said, let there be expanse, water, land. Let there be creatures and vegetation. God builds the stage for this dance to play out. This relationship, this way of living and being, he made. 
I love that. I was talking with someone once about some things like this. And, uh, you know, there's this phrase about the Trinity, about how this all began and how it all works. Is that it's, it's a riddle wrapped up inside of a puzzle buried in an enigma. I looked up enigma to make sure I knew what it meant. It's puzzling. It's difficult to understand. It's so hard to understand. It's a mystery. And I love that. I was chatting with someone once, and they just, they t- I told them it was a mystery. They said, that's a cop-out. You don't have answers. I said, you know what? Thought about it later. The fact that I think I need to have answers, it's a bit of a cop-out. The fact that I think that in the beginning, God can't be so big and so great and so grand, so mysterious, so other from me that I have to understand everything about him and everything he does and why he does it, I've made God so small. Why don't we let him be big? Why don't we let him be holy? Embrace the mystery. I said this last week, I'm sure I'll say it so many times, I love it and it works with today about dancing, is that in Jesus' day, the, the, one of the traditions was when you came across a mystery, what would they do? Do you remember last week who was who's here? They would dance. You see, when I look at a thing as a problem, back to the dance floor analogy, it's a problem, I stand outside the problem on the wall. And I judge it and I try to fix it, try to understand it. But if it's a mystery, I have to enter into the mystery to figure it out. Because over time, as I live in it, in this relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit, I'll begin to understand. But it's a mystery. But in the face of the mystery, we dance. Because we know that God is good. And we know that he'll figure it out. And when we know he'll show us what it means at just the right time, right when we need to know. What a different way to approach the hard issues, hard things in life. I don't understand my relationships. I don't understand why they do that. I don't understand where they're going. I don't, okay. But if I'm willing to enter into the mystery of this life, not knowing their days, not knowing when things will get figured out, not knowing how this all plays out, but if I enter, enter into it with this God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I have a chance to be a part of that person coming back. But if there's a problem, I mean, you have arguments. How's it go? You ever change people's minds? I don't. We used to agree to disagree. So this dance has got some staying power. The moves. What does this dance look like? I have way too many passages. I'm going to have to boil it down a little bit. All right. Let's work way through. John 3, 34. You can hang in there if you want. Remember, when we enter into the ministry of Jesus, this dance, the ministry of Jesus to the Father through the Spirit for the sake of the church and the world. So John 3, 34, Jesus says that he speaks the words of God. Just the words of God. How do you speak someone else's words? How do I know what my wife's going to say before she says it? I'm with her. I know her. We talk all the time. That's how you know. That's how Jesus knows the words. That's how he speaks the words that come from God only, the Father. So the Father then trusts the Son. The Father loves the Son, has placed all things in his hands. I'm going to trust someone. There's very few people in life I would say I trust with all my things, right? It's because I know them. So to become part of this dance, 
I have to know Father, Son, Spirit. That's what we talked about last week, the one clicks. What are things that we do that slowly move us in a direction to knowing God? Very truly, I tell you, the son, Jesus says, he can do nothing on his own. He only does what he sees the father doing. So for whatever the father does, this is uh, verse 19, the son does likewise. Jesus only does what he sees the father doing. So this dancing analogy, um, I love to dance with my wife. So that's my primary relationship. I'm not sure what yours is, but think about for you. I'm not sure what that means for you. Person you know well. So when I dance with my wife, especially at a wedding, she has got my attention. I am fixated on her. I want to know how she moves or how we can move together. I generally want to make her laugh when we dance. But she has my attention. So Jesus, to me, said, I only do what I see the Father doing. The Father has his attention. How does that work for us? We'll talk about it in a little bit through the Spirit. The Father and I are one. So that we start at John 17. So he, then Jesus' prayer for us as, as believers. Jesus prays for himself, his disciples, then for us. As you, Father, are in me, 1721, and I am in you, may they also be in us. How does that happen? How do we get to be a part of that? How do we get to know? How do we get to join the dance of this holy, holy, holy God? Jesus. Jesus became like us. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. The person said this, Jesus' death was not punishment at the hands of an angry God, which I think how sometimes we think of it that way. But when Jesus describes the father, he tells a story about a prodigal son, about a really good dad who's just waiting for his sons to come home. He loves them so much, and he runs to get them. So he said that his death was not punishment at the hands of an angry God. Rather, it was Jesus' identification with us, fallen, broken people, selfish person. We're far away. We're strange. We're alienated. He died, and we then get to be adopted into this family. We become part. We become sons, and we become daughters, and we get to dance. Like my little girls, the other day we were dancing again. We just danced a lot in our house. They just pick me up and swing me. That's what I think God wants to do. He wants to dance with you. Like he wants to share life with you. And it's so much fun. Then she says this. So the moves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do, live like me. They'll do what I have been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So did you know in Jesus' day, the mark of a good rabbi? If you're a good rabbi, your students, your disciples could do the things you could do. They could do better than you. They could do more than you. That was how you will call it graded a rabbi, is if their disciples could do the things that they could do. So I was thinking about this. Um, uh, my grandma, Jesus came to get my grandma. And I was watching the funeral and listening to my uncle's stories. And I had two uncles who went to church like this. They went home trying to understand. And they both shared that my grandma led them both to Jesus. 
That's the kind of things that Jesus is doing. Those are the things, the greater things, the things that I am doing. He was leading people to the Father, reconciling to the Father. I think we just think about it in terms of like supernatural miracles. I don't, maybe we'll do that too. I don't know. But what is more important? Life with God forever. So Jesus says, so I'm going to send somebody, the advocate. And when you don't know what to do, when you're not sure how to do it, guess what? Jesus says, he will remind you. He reminds you what I taught you. He reminds you what I told you. He'll remind you how to do it. He's going to tell you, but you, won't, you probably won't know all the way while you're in it. But when you need him, there he is. He'll remind you. Father, Son, Spirit. So I'll find a point. Let's dance. In Acts 1.1, Luke says uh, um, he's recounting all that Jesus began to do and began to teach. He uses an imperfect word, which means that it's not done. All the things he began to do, all the things he began to teach are supposed to keep on happening. So I've been asking people this week, uh, uh, so I've been saying this a lot. When we dance, we enter into the ministry of Jesus to the Father through the Spirit for the sake of the church and the world. That's everybody. What's Jesus' ministry? If I were to ask you that, if I'm to enter into his ministry, what does that mean? So I learned this from some high schoolers. They brought this to my attention. We have really sharp young people in our church. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. If you want to turn there, you can. If you look back over verse 11, it says, this is the ministry of reconciliation. Paul, uh, yeah, Paul seems to think this is, this is what it's all about. So because of what Jesus did, because of who he is and how, what he did for us, how he saw me, what he did for me, Paul says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Back to that middle school dance, that means that we cannot stand on the walls. We don't get to stand there and judge. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, man, Jesus is a really good guy, right? He's a good guy. I think people would agree with that in general. Any religion, any background, any faith, Jesus is a really good guy. A lot of people thought that, but we don't regard him that way anymore. We regard him as something more, as something else. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us through Jesus and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, when someone's reconciled, generally those people are at odds, like hostile. It's hostile. Reconciliation is a big deal. So these first three weeks, we're going to understand that we have been reconciled to God. We want to understand what that means. And we want to live from that. So back to this dancing analogy. That means that we're the people who are dancing now. We're supposed to be. And we see people, this series, talking about marriages, talking about singleness, talking about sexuality. We're talking about people who are, they're broken. Lives are falling apart. They're making choices. I don't understand the choices. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what is going on. 
Our job is to ask them to come join the dance. Because in this dance, there is love. So we will serve and we will love. We will, put the, we will will the good of another over ourselves. That's what it means to be in the dance. We're about people of presence because God's glory through the Holy Spirit lives within us, right? So we possess his presence. We're supposed to invite them into the presence. And we're supposed to be people of delight. Which means we salt and light. We see the good things in people and we're going to draw them out because we think they're about way more than circumstance, way more than things they're trying to figure out. There's more to them. They're made in the image of God and we want them to be reconciled. If I stand on the outside and tell them what they're doing wrong, at times we need to do that. But it does not work very well for me usually. But if we invite them in and we believe that this God, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, right? In the beginning, God can change things for people, then we let them come. We know he can do those things. It's not me. I don't have to do anything. I said to love, be present, delight in people. He'll do the work through the Holy Spirit, not me. So that's what this conference is all about we have coming up this week. How do we help people navigate, understand are this cultural moment, sexuality and gender, all this stuff, it's so, there's, there's a lot of things people are trying to figure out. People who are far away, they're on the walls and they're judging. Don't just, let me love you. Come be near God. Be in his presence. Can I just enjoy you? I think he can change us. I'll, we believe in a God. We, we believe in real change as Christians. Things actually can change. We believe that. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he came and he came and died and he lived for us and we're becoming more like him, things can change. He said, thy kingdom come. Did the kingdom stop coming? No. The kingdom was coming. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is going to continue to come. I just don't look for it very often. So I got a final story. I'm gonna invite Darren up. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I got worked up. So what does this look like in life? In normal days? Father, son, spirit, I do what I see the father doing. What does that mean? How do we be, invite people into a dance of love? Glory, his presence, and delight. So yesterday morning, I on Fridays and Saturdays, as I'm getting ready to preach, I'm, I'm told I'm not quite as much fun as normal. I get a little in my head, right? And uh, so I was preparing yesterday morning, and I was just thinking about this. And I just said, God, I, I, know, I know what happens. I said, but today I just want to dance. Can I just dance? Just love my people. Can I be present with my people? Can I have can I delight in my people? And God said, yeah. He said, your wife did it yesterday. I was like, well. So yesterday, on Friday, my wife's making cauliflower soup, delicious, red beans and rice. She's serving us. She's loving our family. We're all in the kitchen. And I watched her as she's doing this for us. She was just, she was dancing. And she was dancing with me our girls, just with our dog, just, she's full of delight. And actually, 
Backstory, when I met my wife and I just wanted to date her, I said, I see the Holy Spirit in you and I just want to get, I just want to be near you. So I was thinking about this, so Holy Spirit. And she just delighted in us because she chose to do that on a Friday. I got to do that on a Saturday because she showed me what it meant in a normal, mundane, making dinner night, what it means to be a person of love and presence and delight. And it changed the weekend. That's what we're invited to. This great dance. It's so much fun. And we can invite people into it so they can be reconciled, so they can experience the same things as us. So I'm going to invite Pastor Darren up. And uh, I was thinking, I'm running along. So if we, if we, if we, if Jesus is our king, Holy Spirit. But even though we have him, does that necessarily mean that we have made him preeminent? So here, in communion, after, I want to invite people to, if, you, if he is your king, remember why. And if he is not yet, today's day, to join the dance, to be a person of love and presence and delight from this life into eternity. So if that's you, if it stirs in your heart while we worship, We've got prayer ministers, I think, in the corners. Would you come up? They'll lead you through it. You can make a decision today that lasts into eternity. Well, today, as we start a new year, I thought it was a great time to remind us all what this Holy Supper, which we are about to partake, means. It's a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God, his Father, into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death on the cross. This is the greatest gift we could ever receive. Through his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we may be accepted by God and not forsaken by him. We also come in communion with the same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us in good times and hard times and prepares us for life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine whom he wants us to abide, to stay connected with, to be in relationship with, to help us bear fruit. We also come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge of the foretaste of the feast of love which will come when we are in his presence. Since by his death, resurrection, ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites all of us in one body, we are to receive this supper in love, mindful of the communion of saints. So on behalf of the elders here at Third Church, we invite anyone here this morning who confesses that Jesus is their Lord and Savior to join us in communion. Please hear these words of institution. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. And in the same manner, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this, drink this in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. And the cup that we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. So as we come this morning, we'll be having stations up front as the elders will be coming forward. And we'll ask that you start at the beginning of of each row here. The first row come up, take communion, and when they are finished, the next row come up just to help with flow. So at this point, we'd ask all the elders to come forward.